Good morning, Maranatha. It's time for Sunday Morning Alive right here on our website. I am Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and I'm so glad that you are with us today for this broadcast. We're going to hear from God in just a few moments. Oh, am I saying that I, I'm, I'm, I'm divine in some sense? Oh, no, no. But we're going to open the Bible. We pray we will open our hearts as well to receive, and our ears, and our mind, and we will receive the word of God into good ground today. Amen. I believe that God wants to send a, and we've heard it for years, but I want to say it again, a last day revival to get in a last day end time harvest just before the coming of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to open them to one verse of Scripture uh, as our foundational Scripture for this message today. And that is the book of Joel, chapter 2 and verse 13. And we're going to be talking about the blessing of brokenness. The blessing of brokenness today. We're going to look at a hard attitude that will allow for a true revival, even in these perilous times, in these last days, during the falling away. Amen. God is mighty to save, mighty to deliver, and mighty to visit us with a, a great awakening in these last days. Amen. In fact, I believe that he has saved the best wine for the last. It has been prophesied over me many, many times. And here I am, amen, waiting for that best wine instead of saying, you know, it's time for, it's time for my rocking chair, my easy chair. I'll sit and write my memoirs of all these almost 50 years of ministry, pastoral ministry, and evangelistic ministry, and radio ministry, and a little bit of television ministry. Oh, friend of mine, uh, missionary ministry, <laughs> jail ministry. God has allowed many doors to open, many things to occur, and, and there are many testimonies over half a decade of ministry. Uh, but I'm still looking for something on the horizon. I have a spirit of an expectancy because I believe in the last day move of God is going to be a mighty powerful and quick move of God uh, to to bring in as many into the ark as we can just before the the coming of Jesus and the breaking forth of the tribulation period. Amen. I've never been more happy to be a Christian than I am right now. I've never been more excited about being a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ than I am right now. I've never had a higher expectation of a mighty revival within, yes, within the church with all of its issues, so many falling away, so many renouncing the faith, so many going back, so many looking back. But, oh, friend of mine, it's time to look up. It's time to look forward. It's time to believe God today. That's why we're going to talk about the blessing of brokenness, preparing our hearts for revival. The blessing of brokenness. Listen, if you have your Bible, please turn with me once again to Joel 2 and verse 13. It simply says, rend your heart and not your garments. Rend your heart 
and not your garments. Let me tell you what C.H. Spurgeon has said before I minister this uh, in my words. Listen to this great Prince of Preachers uh, exposition of this verse of Scripture. He said, Garment rending and other outward signs of religious emotion are easily manifested and are frequently hypocritical. But to feel true repentance is far more difficult and consequently far less common. Men will attend to the most multiplied and minute ceremonial regulations, for such are pleasing to the flesh. But true religion is too humbling, too heart-searching, too thorough for the taste of carnal men. They prefer something more ostentatious, flimsy, and worldly. Outward observances are temporarily comfortable, eye and ear are pleased, self-conceit is fed, and self-righteousness is puffed up, but they are ultimately delusive. For in the article of death and the day of judgment, the soul needs something more substantial than ceremonies and rituals to lean upon. Apart from vital godliness, all religion is utterly vain. Offered without a sincere heart, every form of worship is a solemn sham and an impudent mockery of the majesty of heaven. Heart-rending is divinely wrought and solemnly felt. It is secret grief which is personally experienced, not in mere form, but in, as a deep, soul-moving work of the Holy Spirit upon the innermost heart of each believer. It is not a matter to be merely talked and talked of and believed in, but keenly and sensitively felt in every living child of the living God. It is powerfully humiliating, completely sin-purging. I'm about to get my shout on. I'm going to stop just a minute and say, thank you, Jesus, for truth today. Will you say it with me? Thank you, Jesus, for the truth today. Listen. But then it is sweetly preparative for those gracious consolations which proud, unhumble spirits are unable to receive. And it is distinctly discriminating, for it belongs to the elect of God and to them alone. The text commands us to rend our hearts, but they are naturally hard as marble. How, marble, how then can this be done? We must take them to Calvary. A dying Savior's voice rent the rocks once, and it is as powerful now. O oh, blessed Spirit, let us hear the death cries of Jesus, and our hearts shall be rent even as men rend their vestures in the day of lamentation. Ah, what a word from C. H. Spurgeon, and how appropriate and apropos it is to this day and this time in the postmodern world and in the watered-down version of the kingdom that we're beginning to be exposed to today. Listen to Psalm thirty-four, eighteen: The Lord is nigh to them of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Friend, true revival begins with God's response to a hard attitude that leads to acts of repentance and deeds of righteousness. 
but it begins with with God drawing near because of an attitude of the heart. And this attitude is called contrition. That's what rending our heart is all about. The Amplified says it well, The Lord is close to those who are of a broken heart and saves such as are crushed with sorrow for sin and are humbly and thoroughly penitent. There's a term you won't hear in many Christian circles today, crushed with sorrow for sin. But it aptly describes contrition and God draws near to such hearts. And that's what real revival is all about. Matthew Henry commented on on verse 18 this way, They that are of a broken heart and contrite spirit that is humbled for sin and emptied of self and are low in their own eyes and have no confidence in their own merit and sufficiency, but in God alone. Now, this word for contrite here is found in four Bible passages, Psalm 34, 18, and 51, 17, Isaiah 57, 15, and 66, 2. Only four times this word for contrition. That doesn't mean that it's not vitally important. The concept described by this word is the key to revival in our hearts and in our churches, in our, in our, in our nation and in the world. When we preach of revival, we tend to point out the actions that God uses to bring revival, repentance, confession of sin, prayer, Bible study, commitment to the house of the Lord. But, and none of these are wrong in themselves. However, they all require something else. And that is a change in our heart known biblically as, con- as contrition. The scriptures teach God will revive <laughs> the heart of the contrite ones. I believe that. Let's look at Psalm 57, 51 verse 17 first. It says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou will not despise. In the Amplified, it says, My sacrifice, the sacrifice acceptable to God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, broken down with sorrow for sin, and humbly and thoroughly penitent. Such, O God, thou will not despise. Hallelujah. The great Psalm 51 is the prayer of repentance of King David after his great sin with Bathsheba. It's the cry of a contrite heart. God heard, he drew near, and he restored his soul. Hallelujah. Look at Isaiah 57 and verse 15. Isaiah 57 and verse 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I will dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. That's revival. That's what true revival is all about. Once again, the Amplified says, For thus saith the high and lofty one, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I will dwell in the high and holy place 
but with him also who is of a thoroughly penitent and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the thoroughly penitent bruised with sorrow for sin. Listen, friend, God draws near to forgive our sin when we have a contrite heart, to lift the unbearable burden of guilt and shame, to revive us. Jesus didn't just give his life for us. He also gives his life to us, his resurrection life infused into us. According to Ephesians 2 and verse 1, And you hath he quickened to make alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. We literally become conscious of his life within us. The same life that is in Christ, the eternal, everlasting, death-defeating, grave-defying life of power and permanence dwells in every true believer. This mighty quickening power is at the core of personal revival today. Listen to Psalm 71, 19 through 24. It says, Thy righteousness also, O God, is very high. Who hath done great things, O God, who is like unto thee? Thou which showed me great and sore troubles shall quicken me again. Thou shalt bring me up from the depths of the earth. Thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. I will also praise thee with the psaltery, even thy truth, O my God. Unto thee will I sing with the harp, O thou holy one of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice <laughs> when I sing unto thee. Oh, have you ever heard a song service that was graveyard dead, that was mouthing words, just, just, just going through the motions, rending our garments and not our heart, offering the outward vestiges of, of, of religious worship, without anything coming from the heart, without any joy in the soul. Listen, my lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee, and my soul which thou hast redeemed. My tongue shall also talk of thy righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded, they are brought to shame that seek my hurt. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, when God sees a contrite heart, he draws near. Amen. He draws near to save, to deliver, to restore, to protect, to revive again. For contrition is demonstrated by true repentance. And true repentance brings forgiveness and restoration. The soul of the redeemed truly rejoices. The tongue of the redeemed sings for joy. The enemy is defeated. There's joy in the camp. Peace in the heart and mind, courage and strength instead of fear and guilt and shame. There is a renewed faith that God is for me. Who can be against me? We pray with total confidence. We speak to mountains without doubt. <laughs> and we see those mountains move. For a mighty God is for us, and that mighty God is with us. <laughs> Hallelujah. And listen, friend, it all begins with a contrite heart. Don't ever, therefore, resist conviction. That's God's Spirit seeking to solicit contrition so He can lead us to repentance, so that He can forgive us and restore us and set us free. 
Listen, I say it to our physical congregation here. And they respond. Amen. They, they respond because they've heard it so much. They're conditioned when I say this. Amen. Now, listen, I want to say it to our listening congregation today. There is nothing wrong with getting right with God. There's nothing wrong with feeling bad and sad when we haven't dealt with a sin issue in our life. Sins of omission or commission. That's not a negative thing. That's the foundation, amen, for a mighty inrushing of the Holy Spirit, a mighty reviving of the human soul. Glory be to God. There's nothing wrong with getting right with God. I want you to say it with me today. Amen. I want to condition you just a little bit for this statement today that I make over and over and over because in so many circles today, it seems like there's something wrong with getting right with God. That's a negative message. That's an antiquated message. That's a message of yesterday and it has no relevance. Honey, it is more important today than it's ever been because we're in the beginning of sorrows and we're in the beginning of the falling away. Amen. And the shaking is here and everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken so that that which cannot be shaken might remain. There's nothing wrong with getting right with God. One, two, three, say it with me. There's nothing wrong with getting right with God. Let's never resist or reject the offer, the the, the message of repentance and the offer of restoration and revival because of it. Let's prepare our hearts through contrition. Listen to Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. And this is God's response when our hearts and our heart attitude is is acceptable in His sight, is pleasing to Him. It says, Thus saith the Lord, Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? You know, we think we can, we can have stone and stained glass and steeple and there's nothing wrong with that. We should build an edifice that in an honor to God. But, but God is saying it's not that stone. It's not that stained glass. It's not that steeple. It's something about the people inside that building that will cause me to be pleased and draw near. Listen, thus saith the Lord. Does it make sense to you that if God is so vast and so big and so majestic and so lofty and so high (laughs) that, that we build some edifice on this earth and we think it will draw God to it? This is what he's saying. The heavens is my throne. The heavens, plural, the universe. And the earth is my footstool. Where's the house that you build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is of a poor and contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. 
You know, when I saw that trembleth at his word, I thought of the Apostle Paul and his address to the Corinthians when he said, I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And I'm thinking, what? This powerful, confident, competent man of God is talking about weakness, fear, and much trembling? Amen. Well, he's he's the one that said, when I'm weak, then am I made strong. So he's not talking about that he was weak in terms of his, of, of his, of his trust in God, of his faith in God. He was talking about fearing God, not fearing life or fearing death or fearing the devil. Amen. And he was talking about trembling at the word of God, that he so deeply reverenced God's word that he trembleth at his word. Listen to the Amplified of Isaiah 66. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house would you build for me? And what, what kind can my, can be my resting place? For all these things my hand has made, and so all these things have come into being by and for me, says the Lord. But this is the man to whom I will look and have regard, he who is humble and of a broken and wounded spirit, who trembles at my word and reveres my commands. You see, at that point, the most high becomes the most nigh. He draws near. We bow down and he lifts us up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I've, I've always loved this verse of scripture in the book of Second Chronicles 16 and verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, from henceforth thou shalt have wars. It was, see, the, the true activity of repentance that brings restoration and revival begins with the heart attitude. A heart that is perfect toward him. Man looks where? Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks deeper. God looks upon the heart. That's why we're told, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Can you say amen to that today? You see, friend, to be contrite is to be broken, crushed into little pieces, free from rebellion and resistance. To be contrite is to be broken once again into little pieces, crushed into fine powder. In our pride and self-determination, we take a rigid form that refuses to be moved. We're like a ceramic statue, hard and cold. As such, we don't easily fit into our container. <laughs> Listen, we only stiffly abide in Christ and refuse to be conformed to Him. But when our pride is replaced by brokenness, when we no longer hold our stubborn form, but are broken into pieces and transformed into the shape of our container, Jesus Christ, of such is the power, of such is the purpose <laughs> of contrition, and such, therefore, is the blessing of brokenness today. Someone has said that repentance begins with despair of self, Paul the Apostle put it this way, In my flesh dwelleth 
no good thing. And while recognizing that we cannot change ourselves, we need to realize that our God can and will change us. So today, this Lord's Day, let's open our hearts to the Holy Spirit. Let Him soften them again and prepare us for a visitation from our great and wonderful and gracious God, our Shepherd King and our Savior. Come, Lord Jesus, rule and reign in me. Hallelujah. I want you to say that with me today as we get ready to close this this morning service today, preparing our hearts for His visitation, for a mighty inrushing of the Spirit of God, a breaking in to our, our daily routines and lives, a breaking in of the Spirit of God upon us and through us to a lost and dying world. Come, Lord Jesus, rule and reign in me. Rule and reign in me. Why don't you say that with me? Why don't you pray that with me? I'm going to pray it right now. Will you pray it with me as a Christian, as a child of God? You know, there's a song written, What Can Be Done? With an old heart like mine, soften it up with oil and wine. The oil is you, your spirit of love. Wash me anew the wine from above. Come, Lord Jesus, I pray. Rule and reign in me. Now and forever. Pray it with me. Revive me. Restore me. Help me. Heal me. And hold me close to you. Lord, I seek you today. I come with deep contrition and great love and expectation. Today, dear friend, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, contrition is also the attitude of heart in you that will bring you to true repentance, that will allow for true restoration. Come to Christ today. Humble yourself under His mighty nail-scarred hand. Repent of your sin and receive Him as your Savior. <laughs> and He will restore your soul. And He will take you with Him when He comes for all of us. In Jesus' name. 